Welcome to the Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. We have a fine assortment of hot takes and bad predictions for you to sample this evening. On today's menu, the Cowboys. Today's special is the Cowboys. So you'll be having the Cowboys? Fine selection, sir. And now, here's your head chef. Um, he's not really a chef. Well, Trey Blanco. And his faithful busboy, Daniel Davidson. Pa-pow! Hey, why? Daniel! What to do? Chilling, man. Feeling good, bro. How you feeling, homie? Feeling good, man. You know, these I had to we had to revive ourselves for two weeks, man. So <laughs> we had to get a little break. Go in and the oh, Cowboys find themselves too, man. They're looking. looking oh my good. god. We're looking. What are we like, even watching, man? It's crazy. Have, this is hey, something. The year 2020 just keeps on. It has taken, but it's starting to give a little bit right now. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Uh, I, don't trust, I, don't trust, I don't trust. I don't trust anything this year. I was worried for January, man. <laughs> hey, man, we're we're, hey, we're only two days away. That's all we gotta go. We're two days away. So I just dated our podcast. Here we go. So this your boy Ed White, aka Trey Blanco, with Trey Blanco Podcast and Grill. Got my boy Dango with me today. Say hello. What it do, baby? Yes, sir. And back with us as well from his three-week hiatus, uh, DR, DR Lewis, not third, baby. The third is here, DR. <laughs> say hello to. Hey, you got some big news to share, y'all. y'all from the weekend, and take go ahead and share your news, brother. <laughs> you had to throw it on your plate. <laughs> okay, y'all. Why this is funny in pre-production. Ed was saying, "Don't worry, y'all. You know, y'all got this year-end thing going. Give y'all a shout out and everything." But when it when the push came to shove, Ed was like, "You know what? Tell them about what you did, Derek. Tell them all the good stuff you did and hype your stuff up." Which okay, is which is weird because I wouldn't consider that big news that we did our job and ended our season. But if that's what he's referring to, which it sounds like he is, uh, go ahead and check out the weekend to take, baby. We did a big, big blowout for the year for the for the end of the season. Uh, you know. Two-part episodes, I guess I can say that now. The surprise is out. So, two-part episode, cliffhanger on the first episode. All the big all the big news, all the big news. So, if you haven't been listening to The Weekend Take, go ahead and check that out. We're doing big things over there, baby. Thank you. There you go. See, the reason why I did that, because I knew I couldn't give it as much of the clout that it deserves, man. So, I had to give it to the, the producer. Like, the gut, though. Yeah. I, I had to give it to him, man. But, see, here on Trey Bacos Podcast and Grill, our season's still going. As long as the Cowboys are fighting, we fighting. And so here we're here to break it down to the X's and O's of Cowboy football. And like I said, we have a we missed a couple of weeks for you guys. And so we do have a we'll we'll we're gonna to try to make it up to you. Uh since we've been gone, the Cowboys have been on a three-game winning streak. Uh we we beat the Bengals. Uh, then we came back and we beat the San Francisco 49ers 31 to 41. And we came back and beat the last week, the Philadelphia Eagles 17 to 37. And so um, uh, we had uh, Tony Parter go off against the San Francisco 49ers. We had Zeke eight last week against the Eagles. So we have a lot and our defense is actually forcing turnovers and becoming a very opportunistic, uh, very successful uh, Divas t- forcing turnovers and being um aggressive and 
making plays. And so we get our playmakers are making plays. And so it's um it's weird and a change from what we have seen from the beginning of the season. And so uh, we're going to try to dive into as much as we can, but we're going to pull out some certain topics that we that we've uh, noticed these past three weeks. And so the first topic is, I said it, our team has been a team of opportunities. And so they are forcing their own opportunities by forcing turnovers and they are taking advantage of it. We saw it against the Bengals. We saw it against the Niners. We saw it against last week against the Eagles. And so we have turned into a team that is opportunistic and succeeding on turning those turning turnovers into points and so um let's get let's grade it right into that daniel so who do you want to give credit to um that's could be a defensive thing so who do you want to give credit to because we've been talking about mike lolan all year and whether or not he should be here or whether or not he should be gone and so is it mike lolan's defense or is it the play our players is making plays to you so go ahead bro um, I mean, it probably has to be all of the above, but for me, I probably give more towards the players just because, I mean, the way they've been playing kind of just lights out in terms of effort causing um, those splash plays. I've been watching the past few games. It kind of showed this graphic uh, multiple times about, you know, how many tournaments we had the first, I think, 10 or 11 games in the season. I think it was about 10 in total over those, you know, 10 to 11 games. And then on these past, you know, two to three games, we've actually had about 11 total. Uh, for turnovers so that's that's amazing in terms of you know being that type of defense that even though you not might be the most talented one out there you're still doing what you have to do to you know keep your, your team in the game and help them win the game too we talked about this before to where you know if you can't get stop at the stop at the stop the next best thing is to actually force turnovers force those sacks force those you know lost yards push them further back because that keeps you in the game and actually helps out your offense uh, because even though our offense has gotten better, you know, as the season has gone on, it's far on what we had when Dak Prescott was healthy, you know, and running the show. So they do at sometimes do get bogged down and need some help. And the defense has been giving them just that short fields, turnovers. Uh, sometimes the defense actually scores the ball for us anyway. So that's extra points for us too. Um, so in that sense, you know, your word at op- opportunistic is actually perfect for what the defense has kind of evolved into. Which, looking at how this started from the beginning of the season, I did not see this coming. I thought we'd be more of a, you know, kind of hold them to hold them on first and second down, give them a third down, get a sack and get off the field or something like that. Um, we still are getting a lot of pressure now. Um, you know, first out, you know, for the Eagles game, shout out to Randy to uh, Randy Gregory. He was actually out killing it. Um, but overall, the defense as, as, as a whole has been very opportunistic and running around and just making multiple plays uh, when they're there to be made. And if they keep that up, you know, as we've shown for these past two games, it's not where it's been, you know, one game and then drop off or one game and kind of falling back. It's been the same. They've kind of been building on that. And we're here getting more guys back healthy and getting them back into the lineup. So our secondary is looking a bit better, making more plays back there too. Uh, the D-line is starting to show up. Joe Wallace, that pass rush. Again, like I said, Randy Gregory is starting to show up uh, in a big way. Uh, so that's what you want to see. You know, of course, I know for about – Two or three episodes, we're kind of like, all right, we got to get this high track pick we need, you know, so we can just revamp the entire defense. You about to start over, rebuild, reload, or whatever. Uh, but with this development, you know, in terms of the effort, in terms of them, you know, kind of reading their keys and knowing where to be, this is something that, that you know, something you look forward to, not only for this year, but your run, but also going to next year as well. Because this is the type of defense you want, even when you have more talent in there, is a defense that not only, you know, gets those stops, but also that forces turnovers, uh, that gets sacks, uh, causes fumbles. Those type of disruptive plays 
uh, will get the other team off schedule and actually make it easier on your offense. So no matter how good or bad your offense is, if they have a short field, there's a very good chance they're going to, you know, come up with at least some points or ultimately getting the touchdown, which as we've shown now, you know, when our offense has a short field, they do quite well. Uh, so, yeah, kudos to them. Uh, I mean, you have to be kudos to the, the coaching staff as well. But I think really it's the players kind of just turn that, turning that corner Turns up coming together as a team, playing hard the entire game, knowing what to do, uh, knowing why they need to do what they need, what they what they're supposed to do, and then when it comes down to it, the moment of truth to execute and make those plays. Because it's one thing to you know know your assignment, follow your keys, and get in the right position. But if you get there, miss the tackle, miss the sack, miss the interception, don't fall, then it's all for naught. But now they're actually out making big plays, and that's something that you know we've been we've been hoping for and hopefully it continues on to, to next week because that's gonna be very important too. Yeah, man, and you uh you mentioned the players I wanted that I wanted to salute. And so Randy Gregory is one of them. Um and so he's one that like the we've always talked about being hopeful for. And so uh he has really stepped up these past couple of weeks. He uh, but last week against the Eagles he had two he had he was on he was getting a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts. He got a sack uh, I believe he had two or three forced fumbles, and one was them on Jalen Hurts. We're going to talk about that Jalen Hurts fumble. I got to make sure that we there's a there's a play there's a tag tag with that one. But uh, is our defense is being very um, great, and so they're playing they're playing to make they're making the stops when necessary. And so um, our secondary has stepped up. We talk about guys like Donovan Wilson, and you talk about them getting healthy. Donovan Wilson came back last week. Uh, Trayvon Diggs came back against the Niners. Um, and so we're getting healthier. Our rookie, we got our best cornerback, unfortunately, with Trayvon Diggs. We always talk about that, but we got our best cornerback back. And this, and we talked about this as well, as Donovan Wilson looking like our best safety. And so, and you could tell that when um, he got that, when um, Anthony Brown picked off Jalen Hurts last week in the, in the red zone, it uh, looked like Donovan Wilson was still in the same position to get the interception as well. So we're talking about our secondary being playmakers making those plays if necessary and it's really kind of covering up for the lack of uh linebacker talent that we the linebackers are who aren't being uh who aren't playing at their best or at their elite abilities and so we talked about Jalen Smith uh Leighton Vanderash who I, I say probably is showing showing some weakness as far as coverage and run stopping and stuff like that so like with having a front four who is getting pressure on the quarterback, who is banging stops behind the line of scrimmage, and a secondary who's able to cover and um, make up for the mistakes that the linebackers have made, we're looking good enough on defense to compete and be into these games so that our offense can just score the points. But the thing is, key of it is forcing forcing these turnovers. And I agree with you. It's a credit to the players. I wouldn't give it to Mike Nolan because it's the players out there making the plays. Um, and so and that's why I have to give credit to as well. Um, I, I've got to mention this before I started my rant. Um, if Fans, if y'all listen, if y'all hear this and you hear a little fuzziness out of Daniel's uh, microphone, we're sorry about that, but thank you for bearing with us on that for sure. But um, as we continue to go at, forward against next week against the New York football giants and Hopefully the playoffs, I mean, the defense go play a huge part into it, especially when it comes to these future matchups in the playoffs as far as, far as the receiving quarters that we'll be facing and the offensive lines and the running backs we'll be facing as well. So we have a lot um, to look forward to with this defense that has really stepped up at the time that is necessary. Because if our defense step, didn't step up these past three to four weeks, 
we would not op, this obvious question obvious answer would be we would not be in the situation that we are now and so the defense stepping up forcing those turnovers getting the stops when necessary making the quarterbacks uncomfortable in the pocket has really made us look really good on defense and has really stepped us up going into um this excel that we are going towards um this uh or this rise that we are on right now and so the defense should be playing with a lot of confidence going on and they should be i mean they need to stay within their lines and within their assignment but they yeah go out there and play with some confidence man and so that's what they're going out there and after having fun making some plays and so that's what is good to see as fans and that's what me and you have basically begged for this entire season just go out there play play your assignment play your man play your key and make a play make a tackle don't let them run down the field for eight yards on the rushing and so on on first down or on third and on third and two or third and 11 don't let me get a first down by running the ball it's like this hey get the stop and let's get off the field Put the offense in a good situation and let the offense run their things. And the offense has been has been uh, thanking the defense by putting the points up there and getting and getting touchdowns and not field goals. So that's the thing there too. We got to get some. We got to get touchdowns and not field goals. And um, Dan, you said it. You said it last week. Uh, you said and actually not last week. You said about two weeks ago when you've been saying it. Um, if their offense don't score, they don't win. And so later, if you look at the Eagles, the Eagles ran up. 17, 14 points real fast on us in the first quarter. After that, they held them to three. So that's really their mentality. Like, hey, if they're not, we don't, we make sure that they don't score no more. They're not going to win because our offense will score the points for us. And so that's basically the mentality that the deep. I feel like the defense has gone into. They're listening to our podcast. I really feel like it's someone on that on that Cowboys, hey, <laughs> someone on that Cowboy staff is listening to our podcast because I feel like I feel like they're taking everything that we're saying. Like, man, uh, those guys, yeah. those boys, yeah, Derek, Derek, Derek over here being the, the non-believer, bro. Look at it. They don't believe in us. Hate him, man. Hey, I, I follow I follow Cowboys player on my Twitter account at. <laughs> at Trey underscore Blanco, the real Trey Blanco. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, they listen and to they, me, and, and they and, and they and they follow back with their secret account. So <laughs> you don't know what's really them following you back, but I'm sure they follow <laughs> some way somehow. <laughs> some way somehow. My, my boy Trayvon Diggs listens to me, and again, my boy Trayvon yeah. Diggs got the big interception last week too. He he he, he feasts off the Eagles, man. Three interceptions this year, all against the Eagles. So I'm happy about him. Um, I, d- I do got to give credit to Mike Nolan for uh, something that he did last week as far as scheme-wise. And so um, when the Eagles were running the ball with that with that option play and it's killing us on it, we had uh, Layden, and I'm sorry, Jalen Smith and uh, Sean Lee as the key on the quarterback. And so he, they were responsible for the quarterback. And so, of course, you know, Jalen Hurts is not a slow dude, not a slow quarterback. So he was eating, he was feasting off of that. And we were getting killed on the option. And so uh, he made a scheme switch, like second quarter going to the third, where he had the safety play the key on the uh, on the on quarterback. And so and it basically played the spy throughout the rest of the game on Jalen Hurts, which I actually think was a good uh, scheme switch and a good adjustment in the middle of the game. And so and you saw mm-hmm. the effects that it had because it stopped Jalen Hurts from running the ball on us on when the when the passing game would break down. And it kept him within the pocket, which also made him feel more uncomfortable. And it made him throw uh, bad plays, low pa- bad passes, and error passes. So it it, it was a good scheme cha- scheme change and a good adjustment in the middle of the game. So I gotta give Mike Nolan credit for that, and I gotta give credit to Darian Thompson to step up and be able to uh, and spy very well on uh, Jalen Hurts because he's uh, Jalen Hurts has really stepped up since he started uh, the starting role. So uh, I I can't I would be. 
I'll be not a good uh, fan or a good reporter or a good talking of football if I didn't give Mike Nolan the credit as far as that adjustment in the middle of the game against the Eagles. So, Yeah, I mean, and while we're still having shout-outs, I also wanted to give one to um, Sean Lee. You know, he, he actually stepped up and played quite a bit for us this game. Um, not that he's not there, he made like a bunch of, a bunch of huge plays or anything like that, but – um, you, I mean, if you're a Cowboys fan, you kind of know his story in terms of the injuries he, he's been he's been he's suffered to deal with, try to come back from. At this point, it's kind of sapped quite a bit of his athleticism as we used or used to be, used to seeing. Uh, but he really stepped up when we needed him to make him play. He was out there, so I was really happy for him to actually still be a part of the defense and actually more than just like you know an extra coach out there, but actually being able to play uh, because you know the injury to LB, getting out there and, and getting some reps in there too. So uh, I just want to give a shout out to him, though, because, you know, you don't really know how long it's going to be that he has left to actually play the game in the way that he played before for us. You know, you still, have, you still feel for him. You know, you still care about him. And I think it was just awesome that he got out there and was able to make some plays for us. So it'll probably be the same thing for this week, too, in terms of needing him out there. So that's one thing about, you know, he's a, he's a straight-up professional, always staying ready to play no matter what. You know, he hadn't, he hadn't been playing for a while. He, reps, he was out for a while with the injuries. Um, but, you know, when when his name was called, he was ready to go get in there and, you know, knew his assignment and made a few plays for us, too. So I can shout out for that. Good shout out, man. Good shout out. So let's kind of transition over to the offense, man, and um, talk about how successful they've been. I uh, got to give credit to Kellen Moore and his uh, feel like his play calling is getting better. Um, but at the same time, like we have our playmakers making plays. And so before we uh, let's backtrack a little bit. So against the 49ers, uh, Zeke uh, set out that game due to a calf injury. Um, he tried to warm up. He went through warm ups and it wasn't working well for him. So they decided to pull him for the game. And so uh, our boy Tony Pollard took the reins and um, Tony Pollard took that opportunity and just uh, ex- and just like ran with it, literally ran with it. Uh, he exploited the game with 12 carries and 69 yards rushing with two touchdowns. And not only on the, not only in the running game, he, he impacted the receiving game because he had six receptions and 63 yards for 63 yards. And so, um, and that really was a spark for our office, for our offense and our offensive line. Like, I feel like he really set the tone for it going into the, going into the, going to the game because the first touchdown he got, he got that run yard line, one yard line uh, trench type of touchdown against the defense, against the 49er defense. And then he broke out for the clincher for the, I guess we're going to say the game, the game clincher for that 40 yard rushing touchdown near the, in the third or fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter. And so um, it was good to see for Tony Pollard to break out, especially with the loss of Zeke, and especially with the injuries on this O-line. It was very good to see them move the uh, line of scrimmage back forward. You know what I mean? They, they were getting it. And, and with the 49ers, granted they have injuries on their front four, but they still have had a a good enough front forward to fight against and it's not like our o-line is the best uh, so we run we're playing with two undrafted rookies uh, a rookie we drafted in the fourth in the fourth round uh joe looney and connor williams who we both don't really like and so uh <laughs> it's like <laughs> and so it was good they, they carried that momentum on the o-line into the eagles game because zeke ate for 100 yards rushing as well and so he still didn't get a touchdown he, he didn't get the touchdown but he ate for 100 yards rushing and so there's good to see as far as the offense and the play calling um andy dalton is being a good game manager you know he's slinging the ball when necessary and he's uh he's not taking the unnecessary sacks he's not throwing uh 
challengeable balls where it could be intercepted. You know, he's throwing the good, he's throwing the best route, and the and our receivers are making are getting are making these cornerbacks look like like rookies, man. They're doing up these cornerbacks like crazy these past two games. And so let's talk about the offense. Um, I mentioned Kellen Moore. I don't know if you agree that Kellen Moore's playing calling has got a little bit better. And um, I just want to see us. But what do you think about the offensive take going going from these past three weeks? Yeah, I mean, so starting like you did with Zeke, I mean, you know, there's been that conversation for quite a few weeks about, you know, is he done? You know, is he over the hill? Should the Cowboys, you know, get rid of him because he's on this crazy monster contract and Tony Pollard is clearly the better back because he's, you know, faster and more dynamic. And I think what it really comes down to is that the Cowboys don't have, you know, just one good good running back. They actually have two, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but what you what we saw against the Eagles, though, and he even said after the game that, you know, he was injured, he's been banged up. Um, so you don't know how, how in, when he might have first got injured in the first place, but when he's healthy, and also what I noticed when offense is kind of running how it was before, my before, I mean, when Dak Prescott was actually uh, the, the quarterback uh, center, that he no longer has to really rush anymore. He kind of seemed more calm and like as if we saw those first two games of the season where he's kind of taking his time, letting it come to him, uh, waiting for the whole develop and hitting it, and then hitting for these big runs. I mean, he had a run that went like 31 yards. Like I say, he ended up ended with over 100 yards rushing, uh, about 34 yards receiving. So he's pretty much doing everything that we had saw him do before in seasons past. And I think a big part of that, of course, was him being healthy. So him sitting out helped him quite a bit. But also, like you were mentioning, Andy Dalton kind of changed the way he was playing too. It might have been because Kellen Moore might have – it that way or, or what, but he no longer was the check down A. Dalton. He was more like, I'm going to hold the ball. I'm going to try to go deep on you every time if I can. And I think Philadelphia wasn't really ready for that. I think they were preparing for, you know, them to have everything in front of them, a lot of screens, a lot of slants, a lot of quick plays. And when they started noticing that, oh, he keeps going deep on us and we've been getting deep, deep multiple times, they had to switch up the defense on the fly. And then also, you know, uh, smartly, we started keying on the uh, the other cornerback and also kind of kept exploiting him over and over and over again, too. <laughs> so that is more reminiscent of how we've been uh, last season and also early when Dak Prescott was here, too, when it comes to, you know, putting the onus on the defense, kind of making them adapt to what you're doing instead of, instead of you know, you adapting to what the defense is forcing you to do. So that's what I'm saying in terms of that's what we have been asking for for most of the season. I guess I understand that we don't have our starting quarterback. We have a lot of linemen out injured. But once you kind of surrender the fact that, okay, no matter what, I assume my lineman can't block anybody. We're going to go nothing but check down for running the ball. It makes the defensive coordinator's job immensely easier because, like, okay, now I can just kind of let everybody know it's going to be right in front of you. We're going to sit on everything and load up for the run and for the short passing which for quite a while, that was to our detriment because we couldn't really do anything, especially against the better teams. Uh, but now as the season has gone on, like you said, I think Kellen Moore is starting to see now that, you know, even though we don't have all the starters in there on the O-line or for tight end or quarterback or whatever, we still have to operate like a regular NFL offense because when we do that, good things start to happen. And we saw that happening because once, you know, we start hitting those big passes, it opens up the running game. Once the run gets out going, then the passing opened up even more. And pretty much everybody started feasting, and it was hard for them to kind of try to keen on one person to stop because now everybody was getting getting hot, getting going. We pretty much were shredding the ball around to anybody else on our team. And we kind of showed the offense that we had all envisioned of, you know, who are you going to stop because we have uh, an amazing running back. We have amazing receivers. Um, even our tight end is really good, too. 
So in that sense, it's like, okay, take your poison and we'll go the opposite way and we're still going to burn you, still get some yards and still, still score some points. So I thought the way that, you know, the offense first bounced back after that, after that first quarter, because it kind of seemed like, oh, here we go. You know, we're going to let Jalen Hurst come in here and run it, run us out, run it out at the stadium. Um, but, you know, like you said, the defense bowed up and kind of kept us in the game. And then the offense got going too. And then once they, they both kind of started going in sync, then I was like, okay, now it's going to be a bit of a, a snowball effect. And that's what happened. So you love to see that. Um, if I had to get someone credit, I would probably say, I think it maybe was Kellen more kind of emphasizing more about we're going to hold the ball and try to go downfield more this game for whatever he had thought before or how people have been playing them. And I think that ultimately did pay off for us in the end um, because we kind of saw that, okay, you know, yes, we, we, we thought going to the season we had three amazing receivers and now we finally got to see that. For a while it was always one person going off or none of them going off, but now all three went off at the same time. And when that happens, it's like, okay, well, now I don't really know how to handle this team. And that's kind of what we've been waiting for, or I guess assume we have to wait for Dak for. But, like, no, if you have a quarterback who can make the throws, then just, hey, call the play and let him make the throws, and good things will happen. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah, and, and I mean, you you mentioned our, our three receiving monsters, and so and Michael Gallup, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb. And so let's go on their stats uh, for last week. I mean, Amari Cooper had four receptions for 121 yards, eight. Uh, Michael Gallup, six receptions, 121 yards, eight, and a t- two touchdowns. I'm sorry, Michael, two touchdowns for him. And then uh, C.D. Lamb, three receptions, 65 yards, and one touchdown. And granted, like they had a lot of big plays, a lot of yak, uh, yak large yards after the catch. And so they had a lot, of, they had a lot of those. They had, uh, as far as Derek, you know, yak lies matter. And so they got that. And so we got that from like the receivers made plays. One of them, Michael Gallup broke a screen out for like, I want to say 50 yards. Um, CD Lamb's touchdown was really a real route. And he does, and he turned on the burners real quick to finish it off. And Amari Cooper did up the uh, cornerback. I can't remember that cornerback real quick on a, on a stutter move, locked him down to the ground and he ran up the field for a quick nine route and so like it was they made big plays but Andy Dalton got those got them the ball and so and the, and the O-line held up and I so, think that I think is it Jaquette Michael Jaquette there you go thank you that's it yeah that, yeah, that he, had a, he had a rough day bro he had boy, a rough day that boy got exposed by Michael Gallup and then by Amari Cooper man I think I put it on my Twitter uh I did put it on my Twitter one of the moves that the stutter stuff that Michael Gallup oh no I'm sorry that Amari Cooper gave him for that long run, that long reception. So I was like, God. They're trying, they're trying to, they're trying to, end, they're trying to end this man's career. Wherever they, he went, they even just follow him and attack him. I was like, that's oh. What, I mean, <laughs> but that's what you have to do on the offense, man. You find the weakness and you exploit it. And like, and you said it, like, if you find something that works, you continue to do it on offense. And I felt like, and Kellen Moore's not doing a lot of the trick, razzle-dazzle plays. He's keeping it freaking simple. And I think I said that a few times, like, let's keep it simple. And we can still win the game. We have talent. We have the talent to keep to change a simple play into a touchdown. And we saw that. We saw a whole bunch of simple plays t- break off big. We saw a whole bunch of uh, uh, inside zones, outside zones break break big because we had the playmakers to do it. And so, like this trust. Well, I, 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 for that, I think what it was is that he still had the you know the um, impressive tricks, not really trick play, but kind of just complex play that you know trying to wild somebody. He had those plays in the game. He just didn't ha- didn't use a lot of them, and he kind of mixed them in so well that when they worked, it's like, okay, well, you know, that was a good setup for that play. For example, the wheel route that we had to C.D. Lamb, he actually had been setting that up because uh, most of the time I think it had been like a screen or a slant to that same side, you know, like three or four times. 
and then they spend more enough to where they would jump on that screen and they finally run the wheel route out of that same play and that's yeah. how you got that long touchdown and then cd got the other touchdown with the um i think the uh the jet screen or the uh jet pass that we get to on the handoff yeah. and he ran for about 19 yards for a touchdown too so we still had some kind of trickeration plays in there but when you kind of work it into when you've been like you said you know pounding the rock uh pounding the rock uh run the ball so well uh, getting big passing plays traditionally, then when you kind of work them in there, then it kind of makes sense because you set the defense up for it. But once you, what we saw before, do it one time and it works, and then try to do it over and over and over again, it's like, okay, well, now you're going to pretty much do trick plays. So you're going to be waiting for that and expecting that, not really kind of running to the ball, but kind of slow playing it. And when that happens, then a lot of times those plays don't have time to develop. Um, also want to mention that part, a big part of this too, that uh, at Early, well, not early in the game, but about the second quarter or so, I think Fletcher Cox had gotten hurt too. And that helped yeah. us out quite a bit in terms of helping out our O-line and also giving us more time to hold on to the ball. And we kind of saw what happened, you know, when we had time to hold on to it, then they really couldn't hold up in that secondary. So that was also a, a big moment of it too. But that's what comes to the games, man. People get hurt. You know, people are out. You have to adjust. Now, we know about that. <laughs> the Cowboys know about people getting hurt. So I'm not going to make any, any excuses or anything like that. I'm like, hey, we exactly. do what we're supposed to do. Went out there in my plays against who we were playing against, and that's what you want to see. Because before, even when people got hurt or anything like that, we still weren't making those plays. Exactly. Uh, so now we're looking more like an actual football team that's actually come together and developing further down. Because I remember, I think it was about two or three weeks ago, we were like, man, uh, the Washington football team, they look like they're a team that's like on the rise and developing. Uh, the New York Giants, they look like a team on the rise and developing. Like, they're beating teams that are supposed to beat, to come together as a squad. They're beating them great. It's like, how come we can't have some of that? And then a couple of weeks later, it's like, oh, man, it's us now. And now <laughs> some of them are kind of going the opposite direction. So, yeah. like I said, you can never be sure of 2020 or especially for this season uh, because stuff can change on the drop of a dime. And it's kind of crazy, but hopefully it continues going forward <laughs> for this at least this final week anyway. Yeah, a, few, a couple of weeks ago, like you said, the Cowboys were on the outside looking in, man. So we had to have like the we had to win out. Uh, the the Washington football team had to lose out, and the Giants had to lose two games, at least two games. And so that has happened so far. The Giants has lost their two games, and the football team has lost their past two games as well. And we have won our two games. And so it's coming down to this week. This this crazy week and before we go on to next week's matchup i want to say i want to say one thing about the eagle game that i just want i felt like it was just justice for us and so earlier on in the season when we played the eagles um i had a mission where fletcher cox had got got the sack fumble and they ran off they he he what they called him not being down and the db picked it up for the touchdown that kind of ended our game for it and i felt like we had momentum to come back and all that um Jalen Hurts <laughs> fumbled the ball when he was down. <laughs> he was already down, but they get and we recovered the ball. And I felt that that was justice, man. That was due justice for the Cowboys. <laughs> and so when I saw it, when I saw it, I was at work and uh, when I saw it on my break and I was eating, I saw it. And I was like, "Hey, that's justice." I'm not even complaining about it. Like I don't call that. That's justice. That's the justice we needed because Jalen Hurts was definitely down. That should not have been called a fumble, but the refs, you know, make mistakes and they uh, correct their mistakes at the same time. Go ahead, Dr. I'm glad you said that, man, only because I was sitting here and I was like, am I crazy? Like, he's clearly down, is he not? And they look at it on review and they don't overturn it. And I'm just like, 
I know it's a kind of a bang bang one, but it looked like that right knee was like definitely down. But hey, they they didn't think it was conclusive. So uh, I, I, I get it, but like at the same time, I was like in my in my mind, I was like that seemed like enough to overturn. But hey, you went to me well, 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 the fact that that's all that they had called it, you know, a fumble on the field, although it's not enough to overturn it because you clearly see the ball moves a little bit before his knee goes down, but, like, enough to say that he doesn't have controls? Like, probably not, but since it moved a little bit, you can make an argument either way. And at that point, I was like, okay, they're probably not going to overturn it now. But had it been the opposite way where they called him down, then, yeah, they probably wouldn't have overturned it either because there's really not enough to to say definitively argue either way because you saw the ball move a little bit and then his knee went down. That's why I thought that, okay, well, in that sense. Not to be too semantical, and then I'll get on out of here. I, I do. I agree that the ball is moving a little bit, but it seemed like he still had firm control. Like, it doesn't really start coming loose till he's after he's down, in my opinion. But, again, I, I agree, yeah, with I agree you. on that. I agree with you. I do see why they would, the call in the field would stand. It's just that, I don't know, sometimes it's just weird to me when they decide to err towards caution and when not. But, like <laughs> like I said, it probably evens out over the year in, in the end anyway because, you know, back on the first game, back all this game, who cares? It kind of all evens out in the end. It bounces out. Yeah. And so it goes by, and it was the continuation. And so if the, if the refs allowed the continuation of it, they had to go by what they allowed to continue. And so um, that benefited, that hurt us when we first played them, and it benefited us this this round. And so I, I'm happy for it. And so I'll take it. I'll take it. Do justice was served. Do justice was served. And so transitioning to this to this week 17, this crazy week 17 that has felt fallen upon the the laps of the Dallas Cowboys. Um, we don't control our destiny per, per se um, because we play in the afternoon slot and then the watch the football team and the Eagles play that Sunday night. So we won't know the outcome for our game, but we can control. They actually, they actually ended up flexing that game because before did. I think it was going to be early. And then when I saw that they had flexed it, I was like, oh, you son of a... Yeah, <laughs> I was so like, why did you do this to us? But I thought so. So before we get to before we get to the matchup, I thought we would be the ones to be flexing to the Sunday night game. But then I, when I saw the the announcement, I was like, it makes sense for it not to be us because if the football team wins in the afternoon, our game makes no it doesn't matter. And so the, what the what the NFL did was smart, and poor Jerry misses out on the money. It was yet smart. Again. So but, it was smart. It was smart. It was smart. Yeah. But uh, it's going to so this week this afternoon slot. Uh, Cowboys versus the New York football giants. I believe I said at the beginning of the year, the playoffs, the NFC East could come down to week 17. And um, I don't know if DR has a notes on it. He probably doesn't, but I'm going to, I'm going to say that I said it. Cause I, it sounds like something I would have said. Those <laughs> notes being gone, bro. All y'all's predictions have been like, have been like thrown into a fucking Shameful. Hey, I'm sorry. Hey, this is the Ed podcast podcast and grill. I apologize for my transgressions. I'm going to get on. <laughs> Goodbye. They're giving some advice, bro. Right. So I, I feel like I said it. So it's true. And so weeks the NFC East is has boiled down to week 17. It's either going to be the Giants, it's going to be the football team, or it's going to be the Cowboys. The Cowboys took care of the Eagles last week. They eliminated. Um, so uh, all we got to do is go out there right now and win our game and, you know, hope and hope for the Eagles to to win. And so and hope and pray <laughs> so that the Eagles are going to win and be Eagle fans for three hours for one night and so um but let's talk about the cowboys and giants man we got is is you know another divisional matchup um we got daniel jones and his squad against our our defense 
Alton, Alton, and Alton Dalton. I try to compare, compare, uh, combine his first name and last name. Andy Dalton <laughs> in our offense, um, and against the Giants football and against the Giants defense. And so, what are you looking forward to? Who do you think? Like, are, I'm not gonna make a prediction because we haven't made predictions since this winning streak. And I'm not, I'm not gonna do it. We're not gonna do it. But what are you looking forward to in this matchup? And um, where do you see? What do you think the keys will be as far as the game and the winner and the outcome of the game? Is Daniel Jones going to play this game? Do we know already? Has that been confirmed that he's starting? Daniel Jones, it has. I don't think it has. I haven't heard anything about him not starting. I do know that Colt McCoy has played the game, not last game, but he played prior. But I think Daniel Jones finished last week, finished as a starter. But, okay, okay. But, but we'll see. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it has to be is going to be on our defense again to kind of continue the streak of being, like you said, opportunistic. Um, if we can, because really Daniel Jones has been one that's been known to, you know, not be just ashamed to get the ball up, you know, every once in a while to the other team. I think he already had, on the year he has nine touchdowns, nine interceptions. So even if he had that streak where he kind of seemed to be, you know, on the rise, he's kind of returned back to the Daniel Jones that we have been seeing for quite a bit. Um, so if that's the case and the defense is able to come out and turn them over or like we've been seeing before, uh, you know, get those sacks, force those negative yards, get us onto short fields then you have to think that we're going to have a very good chance in this game. Uh, but again, you know, uh, we've seen them before that their defense can step up and they have been playing better. I'm not sure if they can carry that over as well themselves. I think it's a lot of question marks for both of these teams going to the game in terms of what team's going to show up on Sunday, you know, um, because we've both shown that at one time we can look like we're, you know, legit should be in the playoffs in terms of the offense doing well, defense doing good. Sometimes like, oh, man, we definitely need that top three draft day because our teams are garbage, both sides of the ball. <laughs> so it kind of depends because, again, uh, the Giants running game, they don't they really don't have that game back or really that, you know, top flight town of running back. But they've been able, been able to get by in terms of, you know, having Daniel Jones help them with, with the running game um, in terms of him kind of being able to keep the plays alive with his feet. And that's kind of what happened last time we played him. You know, he made a lot of plays outside the pocket, a lot of broken plays that he kind of converted into positive plays and big plays as well. Uh, so for our defense, we have to be able to rile them, keep them in control, keep them in the pocket. And I think if we can do that, we can at least contain them or control them a bit to keep from getting out of hand in terms of the scoring. Um, for us, the way we've been looking, hopefully we'll see what we saw against, against the Eagles in terms of taking those chances down the field, being more aggressive. And if so, that should help us open up things up, open up things for the running game for Zeke and Tony Pollard. Because if they both can get going in terms of the running game, then we're going to look like the the um, the deep downside the offense of old. Because really, what we want ideally is to have our offense based off of the running game and have that feed into everything else. That has been the case so far because of the injuries on the O line. But if we can, you know, just do it the opposite way to our passing game going, then we can get both of those going then I think we, should, we shouldn't have, you know, too tough of a time in terms of staying in this game and ultimately winning the game. But again, a lot of like if going in, I think just the way the season has played out, no one is really going to just expect a Cowboys win or expect a Cowboys loss. This is just one of those, you know, just confusing, you know, anxiety-causing games because you really don't know what's going to happen because you've seen so many different things happen throughout the entire season. Um, so really, you know, just you have to hope that this defense travels and, and carries over. Same thing with the offense, too, because if we're playing like we play against Philly after the first quarter, we're going to be a tough game, a tough team to beat. If you play like we play against Philly in the first quarter, then, yeah, this, this might be the end of our 
fairy tale bootleg all brand <laughs> fairy tale thing. Yeah, I can't really even say fairy tale, you know, because it's like the, the way we got here, the way this, I don't know. It, it, it's it's a strange year, man. But I think at this point, from what we've seen, the been playing hard, hard they've been playing. We definitely want to at least put that cherry on the top and get in, get that playoff that playoff first. So. What the team, man? Like, how do you see for the matchup? What are you looking I, for? I mean, this is this is what, as a football player or as a football player in general, this is what you live for. You know, you this is the type of game you want. You want your best 53, and I'm including the full roster, your best 53 versus my best 53 for the for the chance for the playoffs. This is what you want. It's like, and it's kind of like this is like this this game, like each team has something to fight for. And so, and it's their playoff lives. And it's that, it's that, and ever in 2020 COVID NFL, like you want to be a part of this, that teams that the teams that made the playoffs. And so it's my 53 versus your 53. And let's go at it and let's put, let's put the best game that we could possibly play out there right now. Like for so far, this has to be the winner of the game, the winner of this game. This will be, this has to be their best game of the season so far because like this is the type of, mounts like this is the type of he- uh, weight is on this game because it is for the fight of the playoffs and then when you're in this NFC East it, who has a losing record overall because no one's gonna have a winning record now <laughs> the NFC East this means something and so this could fight go out there and fight for it and so I'm looking forward to like you said um the defense going the defense our defense going up against their offense uh wanted to see curious to see what type of uh, pressure we can put on Daniel Jones or Colt McCoy, whoever's going to be the whoever's going to be the quarterback back there. We want to see my, our secondary going against their receivers. If we can still, if our playmakers can still make plays, I'm talking about Donovan Wilson, uh, Trayvon Diggs, uh, even Anthony Brown could be including that conversation now because he has multiple interceptions on the year. And so who who's going to step on the, up on the defense and as offense? Hey, Kellen Moore, continue doing what you're doing. Andy Dalton, continue doing what you're doing. Threaten the, threaten the ball, threaten downfield. Send the ball downfield. Take your shots. Uh, be consistent. Run the ball. Offensive line. Hold the hold the line. Just hold the line. Just hold the line of scrimmage. Hold the Manage, line. Hold, hold, hold the line. Manage the line of scrimmage. Like, dominate the line of scrimmage. That's, that's what we have to do. And so, and same with the defensive line. Dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, I want to see Randy Gregory continue to go off. Demarcus Lawrence has had a... Has had a pretty good year as far as his not it's not on the stats, not on paper, it doesn't look good, but he has held that he has held his he has held his position and he has dominated his side of the of the field. Not dominated, but he has done very well on his side of the field. And so, like what in this game, I have to see more out of Jalen Smith. And so you you gave credit to Sean Lee last week, and he well deserved credit. Um, but without LVE, Jalen Smith is our quote unquote best linebacker out there. I have to see more out of Jalen Smith, man. I need to see him flying across. I need to see him making these big plays, these big tackles on a running game. Because one thing, like you said, like the New York Giants has a running back by committee. They don't really have a bell cow, but um, these guys could get loose. And so our and we've seen our run our run defense get destroyed before and so i need Jalen smith to step up and stop this run game and so and it, like it could still because it still is a factor when it comes to the offense especially with our rush defense the history of it and so who are we going to see are we going to see the new York football giants come up and just be their best their best or are we gonna see the cowboys come out there and be their best like i agree with you if we see what we saw in the second half of last week or from second quarter on 
from, from last week, we are very hard to stop, especially with the talent that we have in our receiving court. Again, I, I would take our three receivers against any defensive back in, against any secondary in this NFL. I'll take those guys against any secondary because I feel like those three guys are the best trio that we that is in the league. And so that's not me, me being a fanboy. That's just me looking at the trios of receivers. Um, and so if our defense step up, make some plays, make some stops, make some stops, and there are in our and our offense makes the plays to score to score touchdowns and not field goals because this is going to come down to touchdowns and not field goals. We need to make these touchdowns. Then we will. I feel then that will show up well for the Cowboys. I'm not. I'm not going to make a prediction because I don't want to jinx it. So. Um, but if we put our, if we go out there and we play like we, like we have the talent to on paper, we'll look, we'll be just fine. And then let the, let the football team and the Eagles do what they got to do. And so, like I said, and I said it, I said it a few weeks back, uh, our last show is like, I don't care if we don't make it to the playoffs. I just want to see some fight and I want to see some effort. And we have made, and I said, I don't care if we win another game. I just want to see some effort. And so we see what has happened when we put effort and we put some fight into it. Heck, we're on a three game winning streak. Now we got a chance for this playoffs. Let's go get it. And so um, that's that's my message. That's If I'm the coach, that's my message. It's like, hey, we're here. Let's go get it. Let's do, let's handle our job. Let's do what we have to do and then let the others happen. And so and I said this too, we got to control what we can control. And so we control the outcome of this game. And so we got to, we got to get that, we got to get our, got to get that dub. And so we have, yeah, we have I to mean, that, that, that's very true. Um, like you alluded before though, you know, if we play a complete game, come out here, take care of business and get the win, it still may be all for not if we don't have the Philadelphia Eagles taking down the Washington football team. I actually want to talk a little bit about that matchup just very quickly, yeah. um, kind of get your thoughts on that too. But I'll have to think going into that game that Washington has to be the favorite team in terms of how they're playing, um, you know, kind of upgrading their quarterback by, you know, getting rid of another quarterback because I believe Alex Smith is going back for this game. Um, so, yeah, what, what are you kind of looking for? What are you looking for in that matchup? Uh, do you think there's a chance that the upset could happen? in terms of, you know, Philadelphia taking down Washington? And if so, what do you think has to happen for them to kind of have a chance in that game to ultimately pull up the W and hopefully give the Cowboys with a bird to the playoffs, if possible? Um, there is a chance the Eagles can pull up the upset. Um, but I am afraid uh, because the D, the defensive line that the Washington football team has, that hasn't, granted, it hasn't really shown up these past few weeks because they lost. They've been losing. But um, they're still like, I mean, they're still threats. And so I do hope that the Eagles put out their best foot forward. And so, I mean, granted, like the Eagles were looking good that first quarter. Like, I mean, they did us up very easily and they were running the ball up and down the field. And before the game and before this game, Jalen Hurst has really got a lot of energy back into that team. And so the, and the team has rallied behind the offense has really rallied behind Jalen Hurts. And so and even with their uh, injured O-line as well. And so, it kind of depends on Fletcher Cox if he if he comes back or if he doesn't come back and um what and hopefully uh what's it Jock Jock you said Th- that cornerback oh, you you gonna pin on him really Ed? Oh, okay. <laughs> you know I, I'll get his name for you I think I like Michael Jack Jacket Michael Jacket you know uh you know hopefully he takes he took he watched some film man and he he steps he steps up a little bit and so granted Darius I'm Slayward, the coach is watching film and he, and he will not be on the field at all I think I don't know, probably not, to, so. like we we have to we have to try somebody else out there hey I mean and they they've been playing the cornerback at at the safety and they switched that up I forgot his name but they switched that up later on in the game but uh Darius Slay is probably going to pull out the 
try to shadow the number one receiver. And so um, we'll see. And I think um, it's, it's, it's an opportunity for the Eagles to win. And so whether or not Alex Smith plays, that'll, that'll be a big play. And so if Alex Smith doesn't play, I think the Eagles will win. If Alex Smith does play, we're gonna have, it's going to be a more interesting fight um, simply because of that. And so that's where I think it's going to come down to because the, the football team has really rallied behind uh, Alex Smith this year too. And so we talk about Alex Smith being our comeback player of the year. Um, and like, He's really stepped up the offense, taking the offense at another another level as far as game managing, kind of like what Andy Dalton has done with the Cowboys in these past three weeks as well. And so um, it's it's interesting. It will be an interesting game. And um, again, as, as a Cowboy fan, I'm hoping the Eagles will win. Um, as a football knowledgeable and a football analyst, I think if Alex Smith plays, I, I think the football team possibly will eke out a win. Um, but, you know, what? That's what these games are played out for. And so we just have to see. What do you, what, do you, what about you? Uh, for me, I think the main concern, kind of you had touched on it too, it has to be the, the D-line for Washington. Just based on how things went with our game, um, because our defense kind of stepped up and started taking over, that kind of kept them, you know, off schedule, especially for Jalen Hurts too. Uh, because, again, even though he is very athletic and talented, he's still a young quarterback. So I think, you know, he's still kind of used to trying to use his legs to buy him some more time. To you know, in NFL, you really can't do that as much. It'll get you into more trouble than really you know positives, and that's kind of what happened in our game. Um, you know, he tried to run around a little bit too much. Uh, we have a very athletic line, uh, you know, D lineman, and they kind of ran him down and, and caused caused some uh, either you know lost yards or also turnovers too. And then also his his play clock that's in his head is still taking a little bit long to go off. So I think with that timer too, he kind of holds the ball a little bit too long, and that kind of forces him into some more mistakes as well. So, you know, comparing our D-line to Washington's D-line, you know, they have very, very talented Patrick on their end as well. So if that's the sense in terms of where he's going to hold onto the ball for that long or try to do too much, I could see where they run into quite a bit of trouble in terms of the offense getting going. But on that same end, too, though, they have been pretty good in terms of mixing things up, you know, trying to get creative, especially with, you know, trying to get their running back going, Sanders, and also trying to spread the ball around, too. So maybe they'll kind of see that in scheme for it as well. But also, uh, talking about Alex Smith, even though he has been the best quarterback on that team, based on who he's kind of being compared to, that's not really saying too much. Because if you actually look at his stats, he, he's been okay, uh, not great. Uh, I believe right for right now in the season, he has four touchdowns and six interceptions, um, a, 70, a 79.0 passer rating too. So uh, if you actually watch the games that they just kind of look at stats afterwards, he's not the one really that, you know, elevating them to the win. He's kind of like you're saying, being more of a game manager, doing his best not to lose the game, and, you know, kind of making plays here and there. So in that sense, I, I don't think he'll give them a crazy boost in terms of being, you know, head and shoulders better than the Eagles, just because if we have, you know, like Fletcher coming back on the D-line, they're going to give him a lot of trouble too. And I think the big thing for Washington is to try to get that running game going. I mean, we saw, you know, both those games to get the running game going and destroyed us. Um, I'm not sure if they can do the same thing against the Eagles because they do have a more disciplined D-line. Um, also, I think a bit more talent at DT. And it, it kind of seems that they're a little bit better in terms of stopping the run, more willing to sell out, you know, blitzes and everything too. So I think for the Eagles to have a chance of winning the game, they're going to have to first control the running game um, for Washington. And if that happens and they kind of force Alex Smith to try to, you know, drop back and be on that way, then they're probably going to have a very good chance in the game. Um, but again, yeah, in terms of getting their offense going, though, they're going to have to look for some big plays and 
scheme against that D-line because it's all on Jalen Hurts just dropping back, you know, seven-step drops or whatever. Uh, continuously, I think they're going to have a hard time, but maybe give them out or something or call them screens or whatever, and then that might help them out in it. So I think this game's going to be pretty close neck and neck uh, in terms of how it comes out. How it's going to end, you know, who can tell with these teams anymore in the NFC East, so I'm not going to get predicts on that either. But I do think that there is a good chance that, you know, uh, they, they could be able to help us out in terms of getting us in there. As long as, like you said, we had to control what we can control, you know, win that game, and then we'll all just get together and watch that, watch that, watch that, the final game play out and, and see how it is, man. Because, like I said, the NFL, for all their faults, they're very good at these, at you know, creating this, these dramas and narrative or whatever. And there's going to be games that can be watched. Like these two teams in this terrible division, this probably going to be one of the most watched games for that day. And yeah, it should be fun to watch. And hopefully, it's going to be a good game. And hopefully, we'll get to see her go out there and ball out and try to secure, you know, the starting spot for next year. And if so, I think they might pull out the win. So we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, who would have thought that the uh, that out of the NFC, out of all divisions, that all the playoff matchups that we do have going into the, into next week and playoff scenarios that can happen with next week, who would have thought that the NFC East would have been the game of the week for <laughs> for the daytime and then the prime time game of the week? Mm-hmm. You know, it, you just you don't you can't you can't like. This is perfect, right? <laughs> so this is a perfect story. It's a perfect storm, and this kind of weird at the same time with the year 2020. Hey, like, man, the, the NFL is the king of parody. That's what they do best. <laughs> the <king laughs> it's, of it's proven out. It's true. It is. Very true, very true, man. Is there anything? So um, I feel like that was a good segue, but is there anything else you want to touch on with this, with the Cowboys or and with this Week 17 matchup before we get into? Because we have Europe, we've been out, and so you're you got the grill today. So I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, prep your meat and let you grill it up. So let's let me if you have anything else you want to talk about, I'll start prepping for you. So uh, so yeah, man, we'll, let's get into it then. So let me set it up for you. I'm going to prep your meat. And so um, we talked about the Washington football team. And so they have started before, well, Alex Smith was hurt. Um, Dwayne Haskins had had the helm for them for the past two weeks. And so last week he got benched going into the second half because he wasn't, uh, the football team was losing, wasn't being successful. So he got benched. Um, Then comes out uh, after that game, he was released by the Washington football team. And so uh, Dwayne Haskins is second year player, uh, number first round pick, pick at number 15 and um, had a lot of hope coming out, coming out of college. And a lot of teams, a lot of players thought that he would be the next thing in Washington, in Washington for as far as quarterback. But um, now he's on, he's been released. He has cleared the Ravers and it has not been signed. And um, I'll let Daniel take it from there. Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, so this is what it was, you know. Um, I was first wrapping up what I thought was a pretty good weekend going into the new week, you know what I'm saying? Cowboys had pulled out that win. Washington had lost what we needed to, so that was awesome. Uh, for my fantasy team, Stephon Diggs finally went off in that Monday that Monday night game and got me the W for the championship for fantasy, first time ever. So, like, yeah, I'm feeling good, <laughs> flying high, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just chilling, feeling myself, um, checking, on, you know, checking on the news for sports or whatever. What do I see? Scroll down. Online, you know, Dwayne Haskin got released. Not unexpected. Uh, like Ed had said, we kind of saw he'd been having those his entire year uh, on and definitely off the field as well in terms of breaking protocol, kind of doing whatever. Uh, he really only got those last few starts because everybody else was hurt, so they kind of had to put him in there. Um, so, you know, once they got Alex Smith back and after what had happened, they had to let him go. So I was like, okay, not surprising. Um, and, of course, you know, as 
the sports channels have to do, namely ESPN, they want to give their an analysis on kind of, you know, you know, how did this happen? You know, how do you go from being the first round draft pick only a thing like about a year ago to now not even be on the team anymore or two years ago, I'm sorry, not even be on the team anymore. So yeah, that's understandable. And then, you know, who do I see that's kind of covering this analysis? You know, one, Mr. Boogie McFarland, you know, in his new role as an ESPN analyst. And I guess he kind of felt the need to, you know, kind of, you know, get his name out there some more because, you know, he before he was on game day. Now he's kind of doing ESPN analysis. So I think he wanted to do more of a hot take. So he kind of gave his thoughts on, you know, what happened with Dwayne Haskins. And that's understandable. You know, every analyst on that, you know, on the panel at that time kind of talked about, you know, how it might have been his work ethic, how, uh, you know, he didn't prepare enough or might have been on the team for putting him in a bad situation because, you know, the coach didn't even want him and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but no, Booker McFarland decided to take it a step further. Um, even in, even when he started his whole little rant and quote, he kind of stopped and said, you know, I'm, I'm going to go for it. So let me actually read it for you first to kind of see how he kind of decided to, you know, dig his own hole and start this off and kind of really talk about what, what really kicked me off about this point. Um, so, you know, he started off with, you know, oftentimes young players, especially, and he paused for effect. He said, I'm going to go ahead and say it, especially young African-American players. Because they make up 7% of the league, they come to this league and ask themselves uh, the wrong thing. They come to the league and say, and say, saying not how can I be a better player? They don't say, how can I be a better teammate? They don't say, how can I be a better person? How can I help my organization get over the home? Here's what they come in saying. They come in saying, how can I build my brand better? How can I build my social media following better? How can I work out on Instagram and show everybody that I'm ready to go, but when I get ready to, uh, but when I get to the game, I don't perform. And then he goes on a little bit further, you know, comparing Dwayne Haskins also to Demarcus Russell and, you know, other black quarterbacks as well. And, and, and my thing is, I, it, it always happens your own people, you know, for this type of stuff. And I'm just thinking, so are you just telling me that in terms of a young person, you know, 20, early 20 years old, getting a ton of money, that that's only that bad decision making in terms of investment, in terms of, you know, spending your time uh, working on your craft in terms of improving yourself, that throwing that all the way is really only a trick for Black people, that, you know, if you were not born Black, that if you had been 20 years old and getting handed $30 million, that you'd be all of a sudden like an investment banker or something? Like, no. What are you talking about, Booger? It, and this happens a lot. See, you know, not just for him. I mean, got, it's on him right now because he's the one that said it. This has been a recurring thing that we've seen happen, you know, quite a bit. And we're, trying, we're getting sick and tired of, we need to put a stop to. You can't just blame everything just based off of, oh, it's just because they're young and black. That's why they're doing it. It's black person, black person, whatever. It's like, this is a trait for human beings as a whole. You can look through any type of job. It doesn't have to be sports, NFL, NBA, whatever. You can look at even people in college. So, for example, I even thought about this. Like, for example, when you go to college, pretty much everybody there at one point or another was probably, you know, pretty smart, did well in high school or whatever. But what happened? Some people figure it out pretty early and they start getting good grades and rising. Other people, they never figure it out. They might have been straight A student, high school, vectoring, whatever. But for whatever reason, based on their maturity or whatever them as a person, it doesn't work out. And some of them flunk out or some of them do end up passing, but it takes them a little bit longer of going to the job force, any job you've had, I'm sure you've seen people like, hey, you're very talented, but either you're lazy, you don't get it, or something gets in the way to where you have the potential to be up here, maybe going to men's position like four or five years on the road, but it just never happens for that person. They're stuck in that same position or it's fired or whatever, or they transfer out. 
And that's just human nature. It doesn't matter if that person is black, white, Asian, Hispanic, or whatever. It's just a part of being human, especially when you're young and especially when you get a lot of money all at once. That's not to excuse what he did because what he's done, you know, this is stuff that you, this is, these are the horror stories you hear year after year after year. Watch any type of 30 for 30 documentary. You hear about the Ryan Lee's of the world, Jamarcus Russell, whatever. Uh, but what you notice is that it's not just only black players that have it happen. It's pretty much players of all ethnicities that have had. Like I said, Ryan Lee, Johnny Manziel. I can go on and on and on about white players who are in this exact same situation. But no, Booker McFarland just said, no, forget that. It's these African-American players. Like, yes, we know that they're most of the league. So it makes sense you would see more of them have the issue because, you know, that's just how numbers work. But it's not the fact that they're African-American players, though, that's the reason why it happens. It's the fact that they are young players who either are having, don't have the resources to help them out in terms of realizing, you know, how to manage this money, um, have a discipline in place from the team to kind of maybe uh, slap them on the wrist or whatever early on to kind of, to stop that type of behavior or hey, as a person, sometimes there's just no helping people. You've done all you can. And they just, at that time in life, they weren't ready for that. It, and that happens. That's just life. Um, ideally, Dwayne Hassins will kind of get his head back, back, back on straight, figure this out, maybe get back in the league. Um, you know, maybe a starter again, maybe just be a role player or I'm sorry, be like uh, a backup quarterback or whatever, but that's not guaranteed. A lot of times how this plays out is, you know, they did their thing, they got their money, and they move on to something else. And if that's the case, then that's fine, too. But it won't be because he's a Black person or a Black kid or a Black man that, that it happened. That'll be just on him as a person, not just a person of color, just a person in general. A person on Earth is the reason why it didn't work out, because he didn't put in the work. You know, he didn't have that support system around him, whatever that was. The failing is on a lot of people. Uh, mainly on Dwayne Haskins himself, but also on a lot of people in that situation too. So for the fact that Boogan Parkin wants to just, you know, put a magnifying glass on only the African-American players, I think there's a, there's a service to the players who are doing the right thing and just to people as a whole who aren't even athletes at all. It's kind of just, again, just building that narrative, building that stereotype, reinforcing stereotypes is what he's doing, which is crazy to see because as a black person in that position, a position that most black people don't get to be in in terms of being on national TV, having a voice, you know, having people follow you, being on Twitter or whatever, to misuse a platform in that manner is is ridiculous. You know, it, 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 we can't let it stand anymore. It, it's happened in the past, but, you know, now is enough is enough. And we need to call him on these things quickly and have him understand that why this is wrong. And, you know, he can apologize or whatever, but he should still have this on him. Hey, this is some crazy stuff that you're saying. I don't understand why you think this way, but it's incorrect and it is damaging, and it is dangerous. So, I mean, that's all I got to say about that, man. You know, I, <laughs> I just saw that happen. I saw the little clip. Well, watch, them, watch them say the same, man. And I was like, there's a lot of stuff that's built up over the years, and it's like it kind of came all out all at once in front of me to, once again, just another, you know, black person kind of just helping to throw dirt on his own people, and it really makes no sense. Yeah, and um, that, and that's – where Booger lost, and I'm, his first name is Booger, so I'm just going to call him Booger. Booger it lost my my uh, respect, not my respect, but my respect for his his point. And so, because he focused on the fact that he was an African-American man and not a football player who just didn't put in the time or the work in. And so if you would have kept on to that and, and not included race at all, his point is valid. Like, Straight up, it, hey, it would have still been a good point. It would yeah, still been a good point. It would have been a great point. But the fact that he brought in the fact that he was African American, 
like he not only like he he destroyed a culture. And so before before pre pre uh pre work before this, when you had mentioned that you had a grill for Booger, and I was like, cool, I was gonna ask you the question: Did Booger McFarland's statement uh, push back the growth of the African American quarterback into the NFL? And really, if we didn't have like because we have Russell Wilson who's who's in doing well. We have Kyler Murray at um I'm drawing a blank. Tell Tagovailoa and um I totally butchered his name, but we have all, we have a list of black quarterbacks who are currently doing well in the league. Jalen Hurts is also one of them. But did and we have now Dwayne Haskins who did what he who is now released first round quarterback. Uh, and it's not Dak well. man, Dak Prescott. Too. Dak Pre- wow, my bad. Thank you, Dak Prescott. Who's not? But can what Booger McFarland said hurt a Justin Fields? Hurt that high school black quarterback who's trying to become that college quarterback? I get. I happen. I can't really. Or it can, can it hurt a Kellen Mund, uh, Texas A&M? Could that statement hurt or hold back the uh, the the evolution or the or the reviving of the black quarterback in the NFL because Booker McFarlane believes that they don't know how to manage the pressure of being a first round quarterback and leading the team and being the leader and the voice of the team and running the offense because they're an African-American quarterback, because that's what was the issue before the black quarterback even became like the owners didn't believe a black man can handle running an offense because there's a lot of communication, a lot of verbiage that they have to say. And so Booger McFarlane kind of helped out that testament of old right now in the year 2020. And so the 1960, 1950, 1970 mindset, that's kind of, Booker my put that back into existence with, I feel like with what he said. And it not only did he damage um, a Dwayne Haskins, he also damaged a Cam Newton because he made that workout comment. And so, and that's what Cam Newton does. He posts his workouts on, on his Instagram. He also damaged the, the, I think, I feel like he damaged Russell Wilson's reputation because, you know, Russell Wilson making that level four type of money. And so that you mentioned. And so we talk and we talk about um, any, uh, a Dak paid, he probably damaged a Dak Prescott trying to get paid too as well. And so like he, what he did not has a huge domino effect in my opinion, to the the evolving of a black quarterback specifically and not and also it also kind of damages some of the athletes as well but i feel like it really is targeting the black quarterback more now with what he said is more than anything and um dr i'm gonna get you in before i before daniel comes back with it yeah this is a couple of things man now this becomes a oh look there's this black guy over here who said this so all the races are going to feel emboldened to come out and and be like well booger said it so it must be accurate and it just kind of goes to show you that black people can internalize some of this self-hate as well because and it also shows you that whiteness is the default when a white quarterback messes up he's a human who messes up when a black quarterback messes up he's a black human who messes up. And so Daniel said it pretty eloquently. So no need to go too deep into that, but it just shows you, you know, in this country, how, you know, even black people can be harder on themselves than they necessarily need to be. Like, obviously it's a good message to get to Dwayne Haskins and say, Hey man, you're messing up. Cause he is messing up. Um, I saw someone make it about, you know, uh, black quarterbacks not getting a chance and Dwayne that's true. 
But Dwayne Haskins isn't an example of that. Unfortunately, he's just on his own volition decided to mess up. That happens, you know, in every culture, in, in, excuse me, in every race, they're going to have people who just, like Daniel said, aren't, don't get it as early as they could. Maybe they'll get it later. Maybe they won't. But to hold him up as the example of all of black people is something that, as Daniel said, we have to stop doing. We have to stop letting happen because these are individuals um, who ha make their own decisions. And you can find these kind of individuals within whoever, whatever sector of society you want uh, to, to, to take a look at. So we have to stop making, you know, 5% of black people representative of 70% of black people, no matter what it is, even if it's good stuff, we do it with good stuff too. And it becomes a problem because mm -hmm. then, it's a, then it becomes a thing of, well, you know, if this 5% can succeed, how come y'all aren't succeeding? And that's, this is a problem. You can't hold up people as an example of their entire race. It's not fair to anybody involved. And so, you know, I just wanted to get that in, in terms of the, the uh, damage that we are, ourselves can inflict based on societal pressures and societal history and reinforcing some of those things. Uh, because Booger's heart, I'm sure, is in the right place. But unfortunately, he took it to a bad situation now because it's just not, it's just not what you want. You just can't have people saying stuff like that on, on television. Um, and unfortunately, the onus of that is on him because he is a black person on television, which is also a little unfair. <laughs> but, but at the same yeah. time, it is what it, he is in that position, so he has to do better with it. Yep. Go ahead, Daniel. Yeah, and the, the, yeah, just a little more on uh, what Ed had asked, you know, um, the damage that Booger might have done to the black quarterback going forward. Um, I don't think he's damaging them in terms of, you know, getting into the league or getting in that position just because I think, you know, uh, time has shown already that the black quarterback in terms of they can handle that, they can excel at that. I think the top passers in the league, I think uh, they three or four are black quarterbacks themselves too. So in that sense, I don't see the, you know, teams being dissuaded from bringing in more black quarterbacks and putting them in that position. I think where it hurts is going to be perception of the black quarterback, especially when things go, go bad or go south. And that comes into with the fans. Um, you know, because in some sense, you know, when when quarterbacks are struggling, um, you know, they might want to give him some more time or say, okay, well, you know, they struggle, it didn't work for them there, but let's go ahead and hire him somewhere else because maybe we can we can salvage him. And I do that, oh, well, you know, he's struggling because he doesn't care, you know, about the job or he's not preparing enough or he's worried about his brand or social media. So, you know, yeah, that's why he's struggling. So, you know, get rid of him early or don't give him more chances to kind of redeem himself and kind of get him out of there. And then, you know, don't give them as many chances down the road. So I think that's where that perception may come to harm uh, black quarterbacks in terms of having this type of stereotype about, you know, why they struggle. You know, it's not because of they're in a bad system or because of the staff or bad situation. It's because of something that they're doing or because they don't care about the game. Uh, I think in that sense, you don't really want that to, to, to uh, be around. And also, I also want to, uh, clarify or clean up a point I was saying about Booger McFarland. Actually, I only kind of like this first part of the point in terms of where young players should come in and try to be focused on, you know, how can I help the team best no, no matter what. The second part, I actually don't agree with it at all in terms of, you know, because players are worried about their brand and it's about social media and working out and stuff, and that's a detriment to them not being ready for the game. Because if you actually do follow people on social media, the only people that actually are able to have a lot of following or build their brand are the players that do well on the field. Like you can't be out here with showing your workouts on social media or build your brand or some people to follow you or that you're the best ever and then sticking up on the field because then no one's going to follow you anymore. No one's going to watch your page. No one's going to want to invest in your brand or give you money. 
well, I think that's more of an old school mentality about, you know, oh, you can't be focused on more than one thing. It's like, no, my play on the field is what drives my brand, is what drives my social media. So the reason why everybody wants to watch and work out is because, yes, he is a physical freak, but also they've seen what he does on the field. So that's interesting to people. They follow him from Auburn. They follow him when he was with Carolina. He's a star, actually a superstar. Even though his play has diminished, he's still a superstar in terms of kind of his notoriety. So that's why a lot of people like watching them work out. Because, I mean, all these NFL guys they probably do have very impressive workouts because, again, they're professional athletes. But you don't see every single – you don't hear a practice squad player having like a million followers watching them work out. That's just not how it works. It's because of what you do on the field is the reason why you have a big following, why you have a big brand, anything like that. So I think in that sense, uh, I think for the second part of his point that he was misinformed and just incorrect in terms of, you know, if guys focus on their brand or on workout videos and that's going to take away from it, it's like, no. I think fans are actually happy to see that, oh, yeah, they are working out. You know, some fans question, like, do they even care about the game as much as we do? And when you see, like, your players out there working out, it kind of gives them that sense that, oh, they're working so hard and do all these crazy workouts. Then, yeah, they, they really do care about the game. And that's really not the case either way either. But I think it actually helps in terms of fan interaction, perception, um, you know, anything like that too. But, again, it's all driven by if you're able to get on the field and produce on the field. And if you, did, you can't do it on the field, then you're not going to have much stuff working for you off the field. And that's really – that's just how it goes. That's, that's just how, how it's been since the started. That's how it is now. Um, so to try to, you know, degrade people for having a large following or being out in the public, it's like they should do that because the league doesn't do a form. So, again, it's not the same as NBA players to where because, you know, NBA players don't have helmets so everybody can see them and their brand kind of grows on its own. Like a lot of – I'm going to rant here. I'll, I'll start you, but I'll, I want to finish this last point. So a lot of NBA role players actually have a lot of endorsements and stuff. Just on – you see them on TV all the time. They're, they're noticeable. It doesn't matter. A lot of NFL role players don't have anything close to endorsement because you don't see them. So what can you do to combat that? You go on social media and you work without a face mask on. You go – so that's another avenue for them to get other streams of revenue, which should be encouraged because, hey, that's that's job. Yeah, you have to capitalize on what you have, and that's what they're doing. So they should be commended for that and not degraded or talked down upon because they figured out another way to either engage the fan or build a brand or more money because, hey, everybody wants to make more money. So that's what we're in the game for is to make money. Exactly. Time to make your money, man. And uh, Booger said the NFL is a business and this new age social media is a part of that business. And so he he needs to step his game up or come into the new world of the business of the NFL. And so, hey, Daniel, I always enjoy your grill, man. Yeah, man. And honestly, that's what Booger was trying to do, I think. He wanted to get a hot take <laughs> to help his business. So I think that's probably why he was like, you know what I'm saying? Black people. I said buzzword. I'm you know, black. I can say it. black, black, black. He said buzzword. That's word. what he did. You can tell that's what he did, though. And, and, and black, and black yeah. people, pull up your pants. Yeah, and, young people, pull up your pants. That's exactly what he did. I'm going to say it. No, 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 no. They didn't hear this now. Black people. Black kids. Black things. I was like, Ooh. oh, crazy ass. Damn. <laughs> it's true, though. Watch the clip again. That's what he did. Oh, my God. <laughs> Booger, man. Oh, man. If y'all can see, 
If y'all can see Daniel's reaction, man, that's why I'm laughing so hard, man. I mean, Daniel got really animated right now with that. And so I was going to grill Booger for getting kicked out of Monday Night Football because he doesn't know how to commentate. But, I mean, y'all, y'all, he's done. Why are you grilling for getting fired? Yeah, man. He, <laughs> hey, you lost your job, Negro? Hey, he didn't do his job, right? He didn't do his job. So, hey. So you lucky he got picked up off of Ravers, man. That's all lucky Dwayne Haskin has not. <laughs> and so uh it's it's all good, man. Hey, always love a Daniel Davidson grill. Let's close that one out. <laughs> good one, man. Good one. All right, man. That was a good show. We're back, you know, we're back from our hiatus. Hope hopefully you won't have to take another long break like that again. And when we come back with y'all next week, you know, we're talking about a Cowboys matchup against the Tampa, Tampa Bay Buccaneers because that's who we will draw if we do make the playoffs. And so we will see. <laughs> yeah. And also, it will be in the new year of 2021 when you hear us back. And so hopefully, you know, 2020 will be closed out. So I hope y'all have a happy new year. And I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas because we didn't give you all on Christmas. I hope you guys had a Merry Christmas and um, you guys have a happy new year. Um, so before I do my close, Daniel, say goodbye to the people. So long, people. Again, happy new year. Love y'all. See y'all in the new year, man. Hopefully we have something to celebrate going to the new year for this. Um, it's been a great show so far. It's going to get only better because hopefully we'll have some playoffs. And if not, we've got some all-season talks for you, too. So no matter what, it's going to be fire. Yes, sir. The grill will always be ready for this off-season, no matter what. Derek, always mm. good to have you, sir. Say goodbye. Yeah, before I say goodbye, I just want to say, hey, Daniel, I heard you won that, that fancy chat, that fancy title, my oh. man. I won that fancy title, too, my dude, Captain. What up, baby? Yeah. Hey, Captain, hey, Captain, 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 Captain. All right, Captain, I'm out. Captain, Captain. <laughs> Y'all ridiculous, man. Because I didn't win my fantasy football. None of them. Not a four of them. I'm so salty about that. <laughs> not a four of them. <laughs> not a four of them. <laughs> not a four. Hey, I did win a consolation prize against my wife, but it was a good battle. I enjoyed it. She she fought hard. She fought hard. But as always, y'all, it was <laughs> it was always. I hope you guys have a, had a Merry Christmas. Have a Happy New Year. As always, support Trey Blanco with Trey Blanco's podcast and grill. Be blessed. Sir. Be peace. Be love. We out! Peace.